Now this study is, is given for this specific reason, that we may know how and engage in God's plan for increasing our faith so that we can receive increased blessings. Uh, these programs are not given to entertain, though we have the right to be happy in the Lord. They're given so that as we complete any one of these studies, we can practice immediately in our own lives what we have heard and studied together. So you'll do that, won't you? I don't know of any study that we're presenting that it is more important that we will go from this meeting with the idea of practicing. It may be a completely new format to many of us, but my friends, I assure you, under the power of the Holy Spirit, it's efficient, it's effective. How is faith increased? First, Jesus said in, in Mark eleven twenty four, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We're also told in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see the, the prime importance of activated faith. But the question comes, how do I activate faith? Remember, first of all, that we already all have faith. In Romans 12, verse 3, it says, God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we all have some faith. But what we want to deal with in this hour is how this faith is activated by the Holy Spirit. And as the faith is activated, oh, the rewards are tremendous. And this is what the Lord wants to teach us. You remember the disciples came to Jesus. It's recorded in Luke 17, verse 5. They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, increase our faith. We've studied through uh, this question and this text for many years. The Lord impressed them to ask him to increase their faith because faith can be increased. Faith can be strengthened. Faith can be built. How? Number one, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 says, Thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God led thee. I have studied for years concerning this, and I have found from some of the most diligent Bible authors facts like this. The more we remember and say over in our hearts what God has done in the past, the more it strengthens our faith to receive what he's eager to give us in the present. In other words, God is always eager to give us. He's like a great radio station broadcasting his mercies. But do you know, unless you have a receiving set, you don't get it. So how do we get this receiving set? I remember many, many years ago when, when the radio first came on almost as a little boy, how hard it was to get anything. But they've perfected them since. So God wants to perfect our faith. He wants our faith to increase. Now this is how it's done. We say, Lord, you did this for me in the past. And you're the same today, so you're going to do it for me today. You did this also in the past, so you'll do this for me today. Many years ago, I decided that in order for me to review the past, to strengthen my faith for the present and the future, 
that I would make a, I would get a large cardboard, maybe, maybe 18 inches by 30, something like that, and I would draw columns down this cardboard. And I would title each column some classification of how God had in the past come to my rescue. One of the columns dealt with healings. I put down there under healings how when I was six years old, God instantly healed my mother, as I've mentioned to you before. He instantly healed my mother of valvular leakage of the heart. She was 42 years of age. As you've heard me say, she lived to be almost 102. And so I, I, I have the right to say, Lord, in this extreme situation, you came to our rescue. You will do the same today and in the future. You see how it increases faith? I remember how my, mother, my wife, at the birth of our first child, Juanita, went through a, a horrible experience. And God brought her through. We were living at the time in the island of Trinidad. And uh, we had moved to San Fernando, Trinidad, about 40 miles from Port of Spain. Some dear friends of ours, the Androsses, lived in Port of Spain, and, and they knew a doctor that they considered a very efficient doctor in Port of Spain, and they said, we don't know of any good doctors in San Fernando. So, Mrs. Kuhn, about two weeks before time for delivery, why don't you come and stay with us? The Andros was very, very gracious and hospitable. So my wife went into Port of Spain about two weeks before we expected the child to be born and stayed with them for a couple of weeks and the child wasn't born. And my wife was getting lonesome there. I was over in San Fernando holding our own evangelistic meetings. She went to the doctor and she said, Doctor, would I be safe in making a little trip over for a date to where my husband is holding the meetings? Oh, he examined her. He said, you're perfectly safe. The child won't be born for several days yet. So she boarded a train, came over the 40, 45 miles. I didn't know she was coming. It was on a Sunday. She called me from the railroad station. She said, Sonny, uh, she said, honey, I'm here. And the doctors told me everything is safe. So I've come to spend the night. And I said, you'll play for the meeting tonight then, won't you? So she played the piano for the meeting that night. We had a good gathering with a with the Lord, and then we retired, and I said to myself, it's Sunday, and had I known she was coming, I'd have fixed that slow leak in the tire, and I'd also have gotten a spare tire. My, I'm glad the doctor said that the child wouldn't be born for a few days. For the first thing in the morning, Monday morning, I'm going down and get a tire. I didn't have much money to get it with, by the way. And I'll get that slow leak fixed. Then I'll be safe, no matter what happens. But you know... Job said the thing that he feared came upon him. That night about 1.30, my wife awakened me. She said, Honey, I think we better start for Port of Spain. I believe the labor pains are coming. I seized my telephone and I tried to act as casual as I could so not to frighten her. I called the Androsses back in Port of Spain and I said, uh, My wife thinks she is now entering into labor. And I have a car with no spare tire, and as you know, it's Sunday. And I have a slow leak in one of the four tires that's on the car. <laughs> I don't know whether I'll make it or not. They said, we'll meet you. Oh, I said, thank you so much. So we started on our way. We got perhaps 10 or 12 miles towards Port of Spain, and my wife said to me, my left hand wants to go up. 
I didn't know what it meant. She didn't either. So I put my right hand on her left hand, steered with my left hand, and with my heart, I cried to God. I didn't want her to know how concerned and troubled I was. In my heart, I said, oh, Lord, I don't know what it's about. I've never, we've never had an experience like this. Please come to our rescue. We drove another maybe 10, 12 miles, and she said, my other hand, wants to, both hands want to go up, go up. I said, put your right hand over the left, and I put my right hand over both, drove with the left hand, and with my heart, without her, letting her know how troubled I was, I said, oh, Lord, I don't know what it's all about, but you'll come to our rescue. Please come to our rescue. We went on maybe another five or 10 miles, and all at once, both arms went up rigidly in the air. She was there just like a board, just as stiff as a board. And I drove quickly under a, a dilapidated gas station top. And I said to the minister, who was local minister, who was going in with us, I said, would you run over to the, to the house next door and call Port of Spain and be sure where they're on their way? Tell them we're in trouble. And my wife settled down and began to breathe very heavily. But she didn't know me. I said in my heart, oh, Lord, Lord, I'm in great trouble. Please come to my rescue. And just then, the Androsses drove up with a car. I picked my wife bodily, didn't wait for anybody to help me. Walked right over to their car. They opened the back door, put her right in the back seat, climbed in with her, and I asked my local minister if he would drive my car following. And my wife and I were in the back seat, and my wife was groaning, pain pain. I said, oh, Lord, please come to our rescue. By the time we arrived at Port of Spain, I picked her right up, carried her right in the house. Mrs. Andros said, here's the bed, put her right in the bed, laid her down in the bed. She called the doctor immediately, and he was half drunk. When he got there, before he even looked at my wife, he was mad because we'd awakened him there at 2.30 in the morning or whatever it was. And then he examined her and he said, the child is not going to be born for hours yet. And he was saying, what did you bother me for? And I, I cried to God and I said, Lord, he's the same doctor that told my wife it was safe to go over to San Fernando. Lord, the baby might be born and he could be wrong again. Lord, please help him not to go. He sat around for a few minutes, went back in, examined my wife and he said, oh, the baby is going to be born. I said, Lord, that's it. He didn't know anything half drunk. But he said, the baby, we'll have to use instruments. And I said, oh, God, help. A half drunken doctor who is, has two strikeouts already, and now he's going to use instruments, he could deform my child. In my heart, I said, oh, Lord, help him not to. Help him not to. I don't know what to do. And the Lord gave me wisdom. I walked up to the doctor and I said, doctor, why do you have to? He said, she isn't conscious enough to use her pains. I said, would you mind if I walked up to her and I believe that I can talk with her and she'll be able to do it? He said, go ahead. <laughs> so with a prayer in my heart, I stepped up next to her and Mrs. Andros was next to her and I was crying out to God, Lord, come to our rescue. And I talked to my wife and we delivered the baby. The doctor just came in the end of everything, just enough so to collect his fee, you know. And then, immediately after the baby was born, my wife, something happened. She went into something. Her arms were extended, and her legs and every muscle in the body was moving. 
And I said, Sister Andros, what on earth is this? She said, I don't know. She said, it looks to me like a convulsion. I said, what's that? And then finally, the activity, the tremendous activity, as though there were a, a thousand demons in her trying to tear her apart. All at once, she relaxed. And I looked down into her face and I said, Mrs. Andros, she isn't breathing. Could she be dead? She said, Brother Coot, I think so. And just then, she began to breathe. Oh, I said, thank you, Lord, thank you. And then she went into another convulsion. A thousand demons, it seemed, were determined to shake her life to pieces. And then for an instant, no breath. Mrs. Andros, do you think she's dead now? Brother Coon, I think so. And then, oh, the sweetest breathing. Oh, thank you, Lord. It continued for an hour, for another hour. And the doctor finally said, this is it. She will either die or she will have completely lost her mind. I cried to the Lord, and then Pastor Andros, it was nearing daylight now, he called the ministers in Port of Spain, our friends. One by one they came in. They prayed for her. I want to tell you when we met in that side room and prayed for my wife, very quietly, very calmly, with sweet assurance of faith, it is one of the sweetest occasions in my entire life. My wife had her last convulsion when we were through praying. Friends, today, that doctor is proven wrong. My wife is not merely alive, but praise the Lord, my wife's mind is so keen, she can remember today things that happened before that occasion that I can't even remember. Thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God led thee. So I can come to the Lord and I say, Lord, back there when we're in trouble physically, you came to our rescue. Now, Lord, I have cancer. You will come to my rescue again till my work is done. Thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God led thee. My friends, I made another list. The, the head of the list on this big cardboard was cars. <laughs> Every car we've ever owned has been a miracle. Don't you think we ought to say, Lord, thank you for giving us this car. It is a miracle from your hand. And thank you for this car. Let me share with you just, just two of the cars so you can see how God sends miracles and how we should remember what he's done in the past as a faith builder to reach out and, and accept his broadcasts. When my wife and I first went to Trinidad, we had both given up fairly good salaries. My wife was working in our headquarters in Tacoma Park, Washington, D.C., I was a minister in that area. When we went as missionaries, you can imagine how our salary was cut so far down. And we had not had time to save money, so we couldn't afford a car. So I rode a bicycle around and put on one of these helmets. You know, there in the island of Trinidad, the, the equator comes right near you. In fact, so close, I thought I stepped on it a couple of times. It was hot. And the sun beats down, it seems like 150 degrees. And they told us that, the, that for, the, for the American, it just completely destroys his digestive system. So I was visiting for all I was worth and carrying this helmet around and sweating and taking three showers a day. And one night my wife and I knelt down together and we opened the Bible, the promise of Malachi 3, 
10 to 12. If you'll bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, I will open you the windows of heaven. I said, Lord, would you please crack those windows a little? We need a car. If you see we need one. You know what happened? Inside of two weeks, we received a check with which to make the first payment on a car. And the people who sent that check never knew a thing about the prayer we had prayed. We went down and bought a car. Now, we made a mistake. We should have claimed the promise of the Lord for wisdom as to what kind of a car to purchase. There weren't, there weren't in that, at that time, there weren't many cars that had the windows. They had curtains. So the fact that it was fairly reasonable, we bought one with curtains. And we learned later it was almost curtains for us. Because in Trinidad, the rain can, can fall and you can go down the, the, the highway, you can go down the road, and you can see, just like you draw, draw a line, all wet on one side and perfectly dry on the other. So we'd be traveling along with this car with curtains and begin to rain. I'd get out and put the curtains on. By the time I was through, the rain was through. Go a little farther, it's pretty hot. Take off the curtains, rain again. Back, put the curtains back on again. It was curtains. But every, at the end of every month, we were able to make the payment on that car. At the end of every month. And the worker said, how in the world do you do it? I'll tell you how we did it. We prayed earnestly, plus we ate everything that grew in the area. Some of the things we weren't accustomed to at all. We said, we're going to get accustomed. We, and the people brought in oranges. <laughs> you know, they do it in the States too. If any of you question that people do it in the States, you look at our motorhome. And you'll see piles of oranges. <laughs> and they brought in mangoes. Anybody here ever eat a mango? I'd walk a mile for a mango. Bananas by the bunch. This made it possible to keep making payments on the car. And then our little baby Juanita was born. And that ruined our budget. I said to my wife, unless the Lord works America, we're going to have to lose the car. I took the car because we couldn't make the payment next month unless there was some outstanding miracle. So I w took my car up, the little old curtains, <laughs> took it up to a petrol station. You know what that is. That's an English gasoline station. Took the car up and I thought I'll get a gallon or two. I didn't have much money. And the owner of the gasoline station was also the owner of a big automobile agency. And he happened that time to put the gas in my car. And he looked at my car and he said, you know, preacher, you ought not to have that car. And I thought, if he only knew. If he only knew. <laughs> He's, that's almost a prophecy. He said, now here's a car that you ought to have. And he pointed me to a whippet. How many of you have ever seen a whippet? They're built way up high, you know. And it had windows, glass windows. And I thought, oh my, if he only knew. Only by the grace of God can I keep this. And now he's talking about the other, and he preached me a little sermon. Really, you ought to, you ought to get rid of that car. And I thought, if I, I, I think I'm in the process. And he said, now you can trade this car in for this lovely whippet. And right while he was putting the gas in, he was telling me how much you would allow on it. It was fantastic. And you know it pays to listen to the Lord. <laughs> it pays for preachers even to be quiet sometimes. And I was quiet. Isn't that amazing? And the Lord said to me, why don't you? I said, how? 
ask him if you trade the car for his. In three months, you can straighten up your budget. Ask him if the first payment you make can be after three months. What, Lord, what are you doing? I said, sir, if I should uh, accept of your offer, would you let me have three months before I make my first payment? He said, surely. I said, sold. <laughs> I left all curtains. Jumped into that big, beautiful whippet. Man, a life. Beautiful for those days. <laughs> Drove home. Ran into the house. I said, honey, would you like to come out and have a ride with me? She came out. Look, she said, what's that? I said, that's our car. What do you mean? I told her the story. Let's go for a ride. I went down to see a photographer who had just accepted the wonderful message of God. And when he saw that, I said, I want you to see what we have, brother. He said, you know, there's a prophecy in Isaiah that's fulfilled concerning you. Isaiah 58, it says, you'll ride on the high places of the earth. He said, you're riding up high. I said, it's the Lord that did it, brother. It's the Lord. You know what, friends? I've only started the preface of eight different ways by which the Holy Spirit wants to build faith in us. One is to say, Lord, you did this back there, you'll do it here. I made column after column after column, churches that God had given me, church schools that God had given me. Oh, all the wonderful things that God had bestowed. And I'd keep saying, Lord, you did that there. Thank you for it. You will always come to our rescue again. That's only one of eight. Another is to look away from circumstances in trouble. Second Corinthians 4.18. Another is to talk faith when you don't feel like it. Romans 10.10. Another is to claim God's promises for all your worth. And this is Numbers 23.19. And another is to lift up our hands and say, Lord, I deserve nothing but through the merits of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Timothy 2.8, you've told me to lift up my hands. That means Jesus Christ is standing between your justice and my unworthiness. And through his merits, Lord, I'm claiming you did it before, you'll do it again. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. My friends, for nearly 30 years, I've been practicing these several ways by which the Holy Spirit wants to build our faith, increase our faith, strengthen our faith, so that our, our receiver will be strong enough to capture God's broadcast of gifts. I pray to the Lord that you dear ones who are here will not merely listen. I pray that you will go home and say, that's what we want to do. My friends, I cannot describe to you what can happen in the human life as we go back over the solutions that God has provided in days gone by. The trouble with many Christians, we wade all over in problems. We think problems, we talk problems, we sing problems. I'm surprised that somebody hasn't done a song on the seven last plagues. You know, I expect it most any time. Let's, let's say, Lord, help me to fix my attention on Jesus Christ and what he's done. What do you say? Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, our wonderful Savior, I thank you beyond words for what you've done when I would just fix my gaze on Jesus Christ and what you've done in the past and match it with what you will do today. Lord, may everyone in this audience and back home who's doing this, may everyone say, Lord, help me enter to enter upon a new dimension 
of faith building. Thank you for hearing us in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.